Well, good morning, Grace. Uh, it is good to see you. Uh, you're looking like, where's Matt? Well, I am here uh, in place this morning. Uh, my name is David, and I'm the adult discipleship pastor here at Grace Covenant Church. And uh, it is an honor to come and to bring God's word uh, this morning on a very special day. It is Palm Sunday, and I know these years have just kind of just smashed together that we can forget that we are entering into the Passion Week, and in one week from today, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ together. I hope you come back and you will hear and you will celebrate with us the risen Savior. Amen? Oh, it's good. It couldn't have been avoided, not by the Savior. He didn't come to judge the world. He did not come to blame. He did not come only to seek. It was to save he came. And when we call him Savior, then we call him by his name. It is the triumphal entry of Jesus, as we find in the Gospel of John. I had an opportunity several years ago to travel to Israel and to tour around the Holy Land, and what an incredible experience that was. But none was more incredible than coming out of Bethany and going to the Mount of Olives and looking down on the city of Jerusalem. It's a sight to behold for sure. And I remember in quiet times that I was having, ironically, I got to the place where I was studying in the 12th chapter of John, the triumphal entry of Jesus. And we even had an opportunity to read the passage aloud in the Holy Land. I remember looking down and thinking in my mind, wow, this is what Jesus himself looked at. Sure, the landscape was a little bit differently than, different than was in his day, but still, here is the city of Jerusalem, and this is what he would look upon, and this is where all of his emotions and affections were leading him, and this is where the greatest a series of events in history would take place in a matter of days. And Jesus comes on the scene. There's no more turning back. There's no more discouraging anyone from telling who he is. He is going to declare here and now, in case anyone had any questions, that he is the Messiah. There was a parade that was coming in town. It's Palm Sunday. The Jews during this time celebrated as Passover. And it was a festival. It was a celebration. It was an event where families and aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and grandkids would come together and they would set aside everything and they would celebrate God's deliverance of his people. They had done this every year for centuries. And today was another day to celebrate, but today was not just another ordinary Passover celebration. The events that would unfold today and through the rest of the week to follow would change the world forever. Setting up this scene a little bit, Jesus uh, spent time with Mary and Martha and 
There's a man named Lazarus, and whether or not you're familiar, here's what you need to know about Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, all right? We all got that point? Lazarus is dead. And Jesus comes in, in the way that he does. Uh, he says, Lazarus, come on out. Come out. Come out of that grave. And stepping out of that tomb foot by foot comes Lazarus, who was dead, who was in that grave for days, it would not be mistaken that certainly this man, this man whose name was Jesus, just raised that man, Lazarus, from the dead. Many people would go on to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, who he claimed to be up until this point, that he is the Messiah, he is the one sent from God. Many others would go and do the opposite, and they would go and tell the religious leaders, hey, I just want to let you know there's a guy out there, uh, and he's going and he's raising people from the dead. Uh, this could be an issue. I just wanted to make you aware of it. And so what do the religious leaders do who were really to tell of the coming of the Messiah? What did they do? Mm, they plotted to kill Jesus, and they plotted to kill Lazarus again. So because of this, Scripture tells us in the 11th chapter that Jesus withdrew and he went about 15 miles north and spent time there in preparation for what was about to unfold in this coming week. There's a time for him to prepare, a time for him that he knew was coming where he would be crucified. It's Passover. The parade starts. Hopes were high. Dreams were high. Expectations were as high as ever. If you go back into the account of Exodus, this is where Passover began. And, and it's in one of the wildest stories, in my opinion, in scripture that comes out of the time where the Jewish people are under exile, they're in Egypt, and they're under the rule of Pharaoh, and they're enslaved there in Egypt under just the terror of the man Pharaoh. And a series of 10 plagues would unfold. And time and time and time again, one thing after another, event after another, event after another, until the final one. The final plague would be the death of all the firstborn in the land. It would be devastating. So God calls Moses, calls Aaron, and says, all right, here's what we're going to do. God doesn't talk like that, okay, but this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up something, and, and I want to ensure your deliverance. And here's how I'm going to show you how much I love you, how much I care for you, uh, how much I desire uh, to, to uh, be good to my people. And I want every home to go and to find a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, a pure lamb, and hold that for four days. And on the night in which 
this event will take place, I want you to slaughter that animal and I want you to take the blood of that lamb, that goat, I want you to put that on the doorposts of your home that when the power of the Lord comes over, I will pass over those homes that have the sacrificial blood of that lamb and you will be saved. So Pharaoh won't let the people go. This event happens. Pharaoh's own firstborn was killed. And so he goes and he wakes them up and he says, listen, get out of here, go. Take your people and leave. Enough is enough, go. God fulfilled his promise. He delivered his people out of the bondage of Egypt and would take them on the adventure that we read about in Scripture from there. We don't obviously have time to go into that this morning. So no regular day. There's a stir in the crowd of this man, Jesus. People that saw him, witnessed his miracles, heard his stories on the mountaintops. Everyone is collected in the city of Jerusalem. So great were the crowds that even Rome itself would would create greater strength in their numbers of their military to ensure that there would be no Roman revolt against them. No one's going to take them out. No one's going to set up new government, new rule. I mean, so great were the crowds. It's kind of like going to the grocery store the night before Thanksgiving. It's terrible. There's so many people, and you regret all of your life's decisions. I've never done that before. Maybe not like that, but there was a lot of people. Hundreds of thousands of people would gather. Not the hundred people that maybe sometimes we've colored in our storybooks. This was a large group of people who had heard and seen and witnessed some of the incredible things Jesus has done, especially the raising of this man, Lazarus, just a short time ago. Oh, surely if he can raise this man from the dead, he can deliver us here today, not tomorrow, not next week, but today. As we'll see, he would come to deliver his people. It just wouldn't be in the way, in the fashion that they would have hoped it would have been. It wasn't in the immediate But it was coming. It was coming. And so the great feasts of Passover take place, and it's a time of jubilee, a time of remembrance of God delivered his people once before. Oh, he's going to deliver his people again. Maybe it'll be us. Maybe now will be the time. Can you hear the people talking? And so on this day, at the beginning of Passover, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, one that would be a very triumphant entry, but maybe looked a little bit different. Look with me in John chapter 12. It says, the large crowd of Jews then learned that he was there, that Jesus was in their midst. And they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus. I mean, I'd, I'd want to see the same thing, like, wait, he was dead, now he's alive, that's pretty cool. 
But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and they were believing in Jesus, threatening their rule. On the next day, the large crowd had come to the feast. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And so Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on the donkey's colt. And these things his disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. It's Passion Week. Jesus' years of ministry were leading to this point. The miracles, the conversations, the confrontations, we're all coming to a head. When he would enter in to this great city, no longer as one who would say, Shh, you know what, don't go tell people who I am. Don't, 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 don't let them know that I am the son. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to tell everyone who I am. Oh, it was a great day. A glorious day. Jesus will publicly present himself to all the land in front of everyone that was there. In front of the Jewish people who would believe and those who wouldn't. In front of these religious leaders, he would defy them and say, I'm here, whether you like it or not, I'm here. In front of the Roman rule, the king has come. So many Emotions taking place during this week. There's passion and sorrow. Excitement, anticipation, but also disappointment. In oh, there would be love, but there would also be betrayal. And this would all unfold in the series of events day by day, that would lead Jesus closer to the cross, but even closer to the resurrection. The Son of God is on the scene and ready to accomplish what his earthly life was leading him to, what the will of the Father who sent him was to accomplish, his death and resurrection, his sacrifice, but my friends, hear me, his ultimate victory. And so Jesus rides into town, sends the disciples to go and get this donkey and bring it to him that he may sit on it and he may ride this path into the city. Oh, could you imagine the sight that must have been? Could you imagine the conversations that would have been going on? There is so much in our world happening that if we're not careful, can distract us. 
and can divert our attention away from what matters most, and especially a week that we set apart every year of the Passion Week of his entry and his ultimate resurrection. We celebrate Easter. Can we set aside this week and, and bring our attention back to the King, back to the one who would come to fulfill his mission, to do the will of the Father, can we lay aside some of those things even now that we might be thinking and focus in for just a few moments together on the wonderful story of Jesus coming and declaring to them, to me, to you, I am the Messiah. I am going to reign and I am going to rule and today he reigns and he rules on high. He can be trusted. He is good. We read about it in the Bible. So a king would enter Jerusalem, and he would enter in in a very specific way and on a very specific day. So what kind of king entered in to Jerusalem? A humble king. Oh, a humble king. Zechariah 9, written 500 years before Jesus would come onto the scene in this very moment that we look at today. And it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king. Look, here he is. He comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding in on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Oh, there were many who knew what was going on. He, he was declaring who he was. There was no mistake about that. People would misunderstand what he was doing, but he was fulfilling prophecy. He was fulfilling scripture right before their eyes. Religious leaders didn't like that. In fact, they confront him in Luke 19. They say, hey, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, teacher, whoa, 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 rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, oh, I tell you that if... These become silent. Oh, the stones are going to cry out. No one's going to stop what is about to take place. Oh, the world will shout that the Messiah has come, that the King has come. Oh, that he is here. Today is going to be a great day. So how would you do it? How would you enter in? What would you wear? Who would you have with you? What would you ride in on? Maybe some of us wouldn't necessarily choose the donkey, right? Uh, uh, we would choose uh, probably some Hollywood-style entrance. I mean, it would be epic. We'd probably have pyrotechnics going off, right? And we would enter in. But we are here. But Jesus comes in lowly, in humility, riding in on a donkey, as Scripture would tell that he would. This was an entry of peace, not of war, an entry of peace. Kings, to show that they were coming in, uh, in, in a manner of peace, would ride in on a donkey. So it, it should have been evident, right, that, that he's not coming to overthrow Rome and he's not coming to deliver us the way that we want now, but there's passion, there's excitement. God delivered his people once, he's going to do it again. But there's no war horse. There's no 
chariots. I'm, I'm sure that there were some people that were saying, well, hey, you know what, guys, listen. Uh, as, as soon as Jesus gets to the end of this road, uh, he's going to have a layover where he's going to transfer carriers, and then he's going to come in on that war horse. But it wouldn't happen that way. It wasn't the plan. The plan was better. The plan was greater. More marvelous than anyone could have ever imagined. But God wrote the story. And it is good. Within the week of this entry, Jesus would be betrayed. He'd be arrested. He'd be tried. He'd be convicted. Even though there was no wrongdoing and no fault within him, then he would be tortured, and then he would be crucified. But aren't you glad that wasn't the end? But that's for next week. Today, people gathered on that road to shout Hosanna, <laughs> to lay their coats down, to wave those palm branches. Oh, Hosanna. Oh, the king is here. Oh, man, this is a time of celebration. Today is the day. Oh, this is going to be great. Jesus made no announcement of his coming. Now, outside, of course, of what was written in Scripture, there was no status update that said, hey, I'm coming in 20. But he would enter. And I can imagine standing there and waiting for that donkey. And it is here, and he sits on it, and he walks down. The stir in that crowd must have been a sight to behold. I often put myself in, and I say this respectfully, in, in Jesus' sandals, right? Jesus' sandals. That he's coming in, in those palm branches as they are waving, and he feels the wind of those branches beat upon his face. And as he looks at the shouts and the excitement on people's faces of, oh, we're going to be delivered. Oh, it's finally here. I can't believe this is happening in my lifetime. That as he walks past all of that, that it makes so much more sense when we see in the scripture that Jesus wept over the city. See, he was coming in as a humble king, not the conquering king to set up rule and reign then, but one that would last for eternity. With all the power of heaven at his disposal, Jesus restrained himself, and we get a beautiful picture of this in Philippians 2. But Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those who are in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Could Jesus have come as their military commander? Yeah, sure, but he didn't. Could Jesus have come with the armies of heaven, then, there, now? Yeah, but he didn't. Could Jesus have come with chariots in war horses in everything else uh, that would have been displayed by the great kings of the day? Sure, but that wasn't his plan. Could Jesus have even come with simple, mere mortal men to conquer and to reign? Yeah. That wasn't his plan. So what was his plan? His plan was to be their spiritual deliverer. Not just the physical one. It wasn't to remove them from the oppression that they faced in Rome, but from the sin and the shame and the consequences of that sin that they could not pay for themselves. He came to be the sacrificial lamb, the sacrificial king. Oh, my friends, that is strength. That is power. That's a savior. And you know what? You can approach this king. Did you know that? You can approach this king. It's amazing to me that this king wants to spend time with me, loves me, cares about me, knows me, desires a relationship with me, so much so willingly would come, take on flesh, live a sinless life, die on a cross to pay my sin, my ransom for my guilt. Oh, he's good. He's a sacrificial king. I'm sure that there were moments where grandfather would look his grandson and say, hey, maybe today was going to be that day. Oh, that we're going to be delivered. There's an event that happens during Passover, and it's called Lamb Selection Day. And this is where every household would go, and they would select the lamb that they would sacrifice. And this goes all the way back to Exodus. And they had been doing this year after year for centuries. They'd go, they'd select the lamb, they'd be inspected, and then it would be slaughtered on that night of Passover. And in a way, in a story that God would tell, here he does, ushering his son, selecting his son to be that lamb, led to the slaughter, that there might be the forgiveness of sins, that spiritual deliverance could come. See, God delivered his people once with the blood of a Passover lamb. But now he was going to deliver his people because of the blood of the Passover lamb, the perfect, pure, spotless lamb that is Jesus Christ. So with that in view, would you look at these scriptures with me? 1 Corinthians 
for Christ, our Passover also has been sacrificed. Hebrews 7, he sacrificed for sins once for all when he offered himself. You were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And in the beautiful pages of Revelation, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen? Don't you just love the story that God writes? Here is my son. Here he is riding lowly on that donkey, not in the fine linens in the robes, but lowly on a donkey for you, for me. Yes to the palm branches. Yes to the shouting, Hosanna, save us now. Oh, he was going to save his people. He was. It wasn't going to be their terms. It was going to be his. And I'm glad that they were his terms. He had come to be the sacrifice that would bring about the peace with God that humanity so desperately needed. John 13. Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, look at this, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved you to the end. Do you feel loved? There's no greater love story than the one of Jesus. No greater gift of sacrifice than what Jesus did for the world. So the hour had come. He would be sacrificed. In every step that he would take, every movement down that road took him closer to that cross. Not once, not once, did he stop and get off that donkey and look at the people and just say, you know what? If you only knew what I was going to do for you, do you realize what I'm doing for you? Hey, you right there, you know what? In, in a few days, you're going to be one with a fist in the air saying, crucify me. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Arms open lowly riding in a donkey, bringing peace, bringing spiritual deliverance. Oh, what a king. God's grace and mercy on full display. God is in his grace giving us what we don't deserve and in his mercy withholding from us that which we do deserve. 
gave us in the person of Jesus. Oh, what a king. Rides in, looks over that city, weeps over that city. He would be despised and rejected. He still came. The palm branches that were waving would turn to fists of anger, crucify him. He still came. The joy on faces would turn to disappointment. He still came. Didn't turn. Didn't run. But he came. He would be led as a lamb to the slaughter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I'm glad he wrote in that day. I'm glad that he showed the extent of his love for us. I'm glad that he brought about the peace of God that we so desperately needed. It fills my heart with overflowing joy and gratitude that the plan that didn't look like much of a plan actually was a great plan. It was a perfect plan that could only be accomplished by the one who can plan the things that would eventually be planned out to perfection. You with me? He is good. Oh, he is good. John 1, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, he is here. Oh, he is here. Hebrews 10, by this we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He did not come to overcome a political problem. He, over, he came to overcome a political one, or a, a sin problem. He did not come to overcome a political problem. He came to defeat a sin problem. And the story gets better. The resurrection is coming. It was on the horizon. The stage was being set. The Messiah was here. The sacrificial lamb was here. It was presented. It was out there. It was public. No shying away. The sacrificial lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world was here, was entering in, was coming for them, for you, for me, and for all who would come after us. He was coming. Oh, and it was getting good. I went to prison in Mexico, uh, not because I did anything wrong, uh, but to play the part of Jesus, which I'm super unqualified to do, mind you, okay? Uh, but I went to play the part of Jesus. And I remember we shared the story of Jesus and went through the salvation message. And I remember this part where Jesus rides in, he comes in, and then it led to the part where my hands would go open like this and I'm crucified on a cross. And I'll never forget the faces of those inmates that are sitting there in front of me weeping bawling their eyes out. Murderers sitting in front of me. Great place to take a junior high kid to play Jesus. But that's the story of the gospel, isn't it? 
The hardest of hearts can become soft and you can weep. Why? Because a king entered, went to that cross, went to that grave, and rose victorious. Oh, I can't wait for next week. He knows your greatest need. God keeps his promises. He came to rule and reign in your heart. Grace, have you led him? Are there things in your life right now that are holding you back from the intimate fellowship that we can have with a Savior who gave it all, with a sacrificial lamb who paid it all? Is there something you need to give him? Is he your Passover lamb? Just like he stirred the culture of his day, Jesus still stirs the culture of our day. We remember each year as we do today his coming and in a week his going, his entry into Jerusalem and his entry into heaven, his coming to deal with the sin of the world and his offer for salvation in grace that comes through faith in him alone. Let me close with this. His crown would not be one made of the finest of gold and jewels but one that would be of a crown of thorns. He would not be clothed in the finest of robes, but stripped and beaten. He would not be hailed as king, but hung on a cross, mocked as the king of the Jews. He doesn't have to be a humble king. He doesn't have to be a sacrificial king, but he is, and he was. That we could have peace with God. Isn't that good? Isn't that good news? So Palm Sunday is a great reminder to us here and now as it was then the great lengths that a loving Savior came to show us that he pursued us. He pursued you. Entered in as a baby. Lived a sinless life. Went to the cross. Went to be the Passover lamb. He cherishes you. He loves you. So the only question I can ask after something like this is, Dave, does the world see that humble and sacrificial and loving king in me? So Grace, my question to you is, does the world, your families, your neighbors, your coworkers, See that same king in you. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, it is good to study the word. It is good to look at scripture, to be encouraged and to be reminded of what you have done for us because there was no way we could have accomplished what you did. We're not righteous, we're not holy, we're not perfect, but you sent your son, the perfect, pure, spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You did that for us. Oh, you are worthy to perceive all the honor and the glory and the praise that is due to you and to you alone. Would we live a life that reflects the king? 
would reflect that would reflect the love and the sacrifice and the humility that you showed? Would we approach you knowing that we don't have to do so in fear, but have a loving Savior who desires relationship with us? And would we cling to you when the moments seem darkest and when the, when the hopes just seem to be fading away, knowing that you delivered once, you spiritually delivered, and oh God, you love us, you have saved us, and you are coming again. We give you the praise this morning. Would our hearts grow in anticipation with every passing day as we come together again next week to celebrate the risen Savior together. In Jesus' name, amen.